Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode two of The Snapshot. We are your hosts. My name is Brendan Patrick, and I'm joined by none other than KM Best. The Snapshot is a Marvel Snap podcast focused on the competitive side of the game, and episode two is all about the new season, Savage Land. This week, we saw Zabra released as well as an upcoming patch note leak with nerfs to leader, supposedly. The meta has definitely seen a big shakeup over the last few days, and there's a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, Cam, how are you doing, sir? It's good to see you again. How was your week? In Marvel In Snap, it was a fairly good one, I would say. Uh, I am I'm infinite mm. now. But the way in which I achieved it left a sort of sour taste in my mouth. Um, I guess on, on two levels. The first one is uh, the my main goal for the season, I think, was not necessarily like to hit a rank, but to do so without getting angry mm-hmm. at myself for not hitting it fast enough. Because I know like I as as irrational as it is, there are tons of other streamers out there. And part of my appeal is that I'm playing the game at the high level, that I am trying to win all these games, and I don't play enough to hit it early. I stream about four hours a day, and that makes it that sounds like a ton of time. But when you look at the people who are streaming alongside me, like I know, I know Dara streamed for like 12 hours in one day, and it's like, dog, that's as much as I played in three. And it's like, oh my God, I have to compete with this. Yeah. And so the early seasons are always really tough for me because it's a a race between my like degen gamer brain, which wants to just like play for 24 hours and my understanding that if I do that, I will drive myself completely insane. And so my goal for this season was just to get less upset than I did last season, which I did achieve. I did get less upset than I did last season. I didn't do perfectly, but I did okay. And you got to take the small victories when they're there. But the second thing that left a, a sour taste in my mouth was that I bought Zabu. I was like, let's play some awesome Zabu decks. And then I realized that all my Zabu decks sucked ass without Darkhawk. Yep. That, that was really unfortunate. So I was like, okay, we can go buy Darkhawk because I foolishly spent all my tokens on Null before Galactus so happened. I. And then we had to wait for Darkhawk to show up in the shop. And then we had to wait for me to be able to spend enough money to get Darkhawk. And then when I got Darkhawk, it was very easy. <laughs> it's like, wait, I just like I'm, what, what's going on here? And it's not like I like to be clear. It's not like I'm exactly in the ELO bracket or the money bracket where I'm playing Darkhawk against opponents who don't have it. But I'm sure that does happen. Like, I probably see more of it than anyone else because I'm in the high end of ELO and the high end of spending. And matchmaking is based on MMR and your collection level, right? So I probably see it more than anyone else. But it still sort of feels like it devalues the accomplishment that I was just like, I'm going to go buy this. And if you don't have it, I'm probably doing something stronger than you. Yeah. And there's no way for you to get it in time. So, sorry. We're definitely going to dig into that with how these these Zabu lists tended to converge on... uh, Kind of a multitude of series four and series five cards. Dark Darkhawk obviously being the most important, but we saw Shuri make it into some of those lists as well as Absorbing Man. And those cards, uh, you know, if you looked at a deck list and it had, and I know that the that Shuri and Absorbing Man are replaceable to an extent, uh, but if you looked at a deck list as an aspiring player and you're trying to put it together and you saw Darkhawk, Absorbing Man, and Shuri in it, that is very prohibitive. Um, Darkhawk is the corner piece, but yeah, that that's something we're definitely going to get into in this episode is sort of, uh, I saw you named your, your deck list Gossip Girl, actually, because it was so freaking expensive. Um, to 
And also because also because you can't yeah, you have can't it. have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is so expensive and you can't have it. That is that is the that is the key. It is extremely expensive and also like 99% of people are not allowed to have that. Yeah. And speaking to sort of the the early season pressure for you to hit uh, a specific rank, usually just infinite, right? Because that is a thing that can kind of go in the title card, adds adds a little bit of like advertisement. Yep. It, it is it's a rough it's a rough mental cycle. I would draw parallels to the sort of um, physical card game tournament scene where people are pressured to sort of plus EV um, on things like Grand Prix or things like Callings and Flesh and Blood. So you basically you'll you'll have sunk costs like flying to the tournament, hotel, et cetera, um, and opportunity costs of not working or something like that. And you look at that tournament like, I need to recoup this. Uh, and it leads to mm-hmm. just a very unpleasant experience most of the time, and it's hard to get out to. And I think that ladder actually is sort of the full realization of that unpleasant experience. It's It's like that times 10, right? Because you're 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 pressured to hit this rank in a short period of time, and uh, you know it just kind of leads into a vicious cycle. So I totally feel you there. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's something. I think people spend a ton of time working on their ability to play the game at a mechanical level, and not nearly enough time working on their ability to process their own emotions while they play the game. I mean, there may be some people out there who are immune to tilt, but I, I, I'll be honest. I think that is an absolute myth just based on like the existence of the poker mm-hmm. scene. I think the idea that someone is immune to tilt is, uh, unlikely and that you need to work on your mental game the same way you need to work on your physical game or not your physical. Game. I guess mechanical Definitely. game would be 100%. the right but, You're 100% yeah. correct. Like mental game is something that is very underappreciated. You won't see it crop up as much when uh you know during this this pro this time before um major tournaments are released, but when they start running tournaments for Marvel Snap, which we're going to talk about because Ben Brode actually mentioned friendly battles coming very very soon. Uh that is when you will see mental game shine. Like people that actually can focus on staying f- you know, I don't know, in the game uh and not getting tilted, it's it's super important. But with that, let's go ahead and get into the news. So, like I said, the Savage Land did release, so that is the addition of Zabu. Zabu is a three-cost, two-power card that says ongoing. Your four-cost cards cost two less. We did um, do a little bit of theory crafting last episode on the impact of Zabu. I think we maybe undershot it a little bit, but... You know, the, what's interesting about Zabu in the card design space is that it does have that, you know, make your... X cards cost less, which is always a fine line to walk. And I think that, you know, I thought that the four cost card clause would be a bit narrow and maybe it wouldn't work and it'd be a bit high variance, right? You feel like you have to draw Zabu on turn three or something like that. I think that Zabu exceeded the power level that I expected, but that is because it's working so well with cards like Darkhawk and, you know, early, early in the season, it's like the first kind of four or five days. You probably still see it on ladder. There's a lot of Spider-Man, you know, the Spider-Man kind of locking out with Absorbing Man, so locking down two lanes on turn five. But uh, yeah, sort of my, my, I would say my conclusion is obviously very, very powerful and um, huge impact on the meta so far. I Like I said, the Friendly Battles was uh, is going to be launching at near the end of the season. That's all Ben really said uh, in an interview, but that's great for us. Friendly Battles does mean tournaments. It does mean kind of an expansion of what Marvel Snap is, especially for us who play the game more or on the quote-unquote what we consider to be competitive side. That will kind of reach as 
full realization when Friendly Bells does finally come out. So very, very excited. And that should be coming at, towards the end of the Savage Land. I want to break into these these uh, this this patch leak, which was actually supposed to go live. Um, I think it was on like Wednesday or something like that, but got it got pushed. Just some highlights, KM. Leader, minus one power. Uh, and keep in mind, everybody, this could change because they did postpone it. Leader, minus one power. Arrow, minus one power. And Nova Galactus, minus one power. These are the highlights for me, but I want to get your thoughts on the leader nerf specifically, KM. I actually wanted to revisit the Zabu. Okay, go for it. Uh, I, I, I wanted to, because you said we undershot the power. Mm. I'm not sure we did. I think... With all due respect, you might have undershot the power, but basically the scenario I laid out as this is the worst possible thing that can happen with Zabu is kind of what we're seeing playing out right now, where it's just like, okay, uh, it's a Zabu mirror. I didn't draw Zabu. GG. Uh, it's a Zabu mirror, but they spent 6,000 tokens on Darkhawk. GG. Like, like that, that is, I, I, I honestly wanted to ask you for your help trying to articulate this because to me, it feels like Zabu sort of accidentally revealed a, a significant flaw in Marvel Snap's monetization to me where, you know, okay, there will be a new card coming out every month. It might not be as strong as Zabu, but if they're it, it, the designers are not gods, they cannot foresee anything. I don't think they thought, let's release Zabu and then, uh, oh, look, we have two incredibly powerful four cost cards that cost 6,000 tokens. We're going to screw the player base over and make them pay for that. I don't think they thought that. I just think they were like, I just think they didn't realize that, that like the best four cost cards are currently 6,000 collector tokens. Yeah. And, like, that's normal. It would be normal for them to not realize something like that because, like, why? it's not really the kind of thing you think of like when these cards are being developed or tested. It's just like, but to us, to me at least, that is the most dominant thought that I have about Zabu is, man, he's expensive. Yep. I, man, that card is expensive. I think there's a, there's a hyper-focus on the Zabu decks and the Zabu decks that are performing right now because it's so early in the season and it's the new shiny card. Uh, the weird thing about the Zabu deck yeah. is that I... When I try to think about, okay, let's say I can't afford that deck, and I think that Darkhawk is critical to running to running that deck to its its the power level that it's succeeding su succeeding at on the ladder, but the sort of next thought would be what counters it. What what are my other options in terms of decks that I can play? Yeah. Against the Zabu deck, because it has sort of slotted into that good stuff deck, right? We're seeing top end arrow, top end leader. It's hard for me to be... I'm not seeing a deck that's just like, this counters Zabu. I, I really don't. Um, and I could be yeah. wrong there, but that is actually different than the good stuff deck we had of last season, where it was very much focused on get priority, top end arrow, top end leader. Patriot was kind of a... It was decent to get that deck. It was, it was good. good. Yeah. You could play Zabu, Patriot. I don't know, because it, it keeps that top end, but then also is exploding onto the board, playing you know multiple four-cost cards in a single turn. It... Yeah, that's the hardest thing for me is I don't see a way to counter it. I think I think right now the best ways I've thought of to counter it are just like you play you play Silver Surfer or you play like a negative deck and you're just like, look, you put a lot of points on the board. I put way more points on the board. And like that, the, the reason that feels so bad is like, well, OK, what if the best way to counter this card is Silver Surfer and you started this game Oof, today? Yeah. And now Silver Surfer, you literally cannot acquire. Yep. And, and, and <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's like also a bad scenario, because I do think the Silver Surfer decks are still extremely strong. 
I think they are still very, very powerful things to be doing. But, man, what happens if you want to build that now? Because, like, that's, like, a pretty solid budget deck if you were playing last month and bought the, bought the Battle Pass. That's all you really mm-hmm. need. It's the Battle Pass card and three pool three, and then pool threes. But if you don't have that, and that's sort of where I'm at, where it's like, I want to spend the next few days making actual budget decks because they need to exist if this game is going to survive. That's kind of where I'm at. I like there needs to be options that people can play and access or they need to do something. I'm a I'm a big fan of Marvel Snap's free to play model, their card acquisition model, all up until the point where you want to become competitive and whatever. And that's a very loaded word. So it's kind of whatever that word means. But if you do want to be able to sort of adapt your your deck building strategy and have this have similar cards to the people you're playing at higher ranks like that's where i really feel like marvel snaps uh, card acquisition model yep. breaks down because the series five cards are so prohibitively freaking expensive that i mean it's obviously designed that you can't have them all but because of that you, you are going to end up in some very feels bad scenarios which you know it may be somewhat unjust right you know maybe that i wouldn't say the meta is solved yet so maybe there's a deck that kind of does well against zabu absolutely like this is all preliminary i i want to be clear about this this is all preliminary i don't even know if zabu is that good but if it is that good and these cards are needed to run it that's a very big problem so i would like to yeah i would i would like them to to adjust that that scenario and that situation and i don't really have a solution for it off the top of my head but yeah series five cards like that being as prohibitive as they are and potentially as impactful as they are is is a rough scenario for the people at the sort of latter end of the game you know at the infinite ranks or that are putting a lot of time into it and i i just don't like that it feels that sometimes <laughs> being high rank is somewhat synonymous with whaling at this point and that's that's tough yeah yeah that's tough yeah, and like that devalues the the rank. Like I used to be able to like just say, "All right, look, you know, if you don't have very many cards, you can play a dino deck and you could probably beat me." And I don't know if that's true anymore. Like I I'm not saying it's not true. I haven't like dino's like number 1 on the list of decks I need to run into this Darkhawk gauntlet, right? But it used to be unquestionably one of like the 3 or 4 best decks in the game. And now it's uh, at least questionably that, right? <laughs> like, and I, without that option, like that was like my default. People come to my channel and ask like, hey, this is my collection. What can I play? And the answer was almost always some kind of dino unless they had one of the tent pole build arounds mm-hmm. in series in series three. And now I can't even know for sure if I can recommend that because I mean, I know I'm not playing it. <laughs> like, I don't know if that means it's bad, but there used to be up until exactly the release of Zabu, there were plenty of series three only decks that I thought were deeply competitive with even the most whaling yep. decks. And now I, I mean, there could be, I'm not sure there aren't, but I'm not confident enough in any of them to recommend them. And I need to spend time with them to make sure that I am. And maybe, you know, maybe that's overblown, right? Maybe you can still play Sarah. Maybe you can still play devil dinosaur and people are just seduced by the new hotness. And I, I really hope that's yeah. true. Well, let's let's put a pin in that one. Circle back next week after you do your budget deck sort of exploration. Yep. And as the meta 
you know, starts to level out a bit and maybe people pop off the Zabu decks and start trying stuff out to counter that. Um, I want to go into these potent, these, these patch notes that were leaked on this, uh, I think it was on some Korean website, um, or something like that. And it said, I just want to really focus on the leader nerf, uh, the quote unquote nerf. So leader minus one power. Do you think that that is an effective nerf and are you happy? Okay. No. So what is your issue with that? Uh, I am happy though. Okay. No, I'm, I'm actually over, overjoyed that they didn't nerf okay. the card. Uh, because at this point, I think the, the closest thing to a pool three only deck that I know is good is Leech Leader. Mm. So, like, I hate to break it to you, but he's the good guy now. He's the free to play. He's the free to play warrior. All right. He's the guy who is here to save you from this onslaught of bullshit. And here's the here's the thing. This is I, uh, the leader thing is actually really important to note because the reason why Dark Hawk and Shuri are so important in the deck is because they break yep. leader symmetry. If your opponent has more cards in their deck than you, your Dark Hawks will be bigger than theirs. If your opponent has priority before your Shuri'd item flips, they will get a normal version and you will get the Shuri'd version. These both help you break leader symmetry. And that, like, the fact that, like, the sixth, like, there's no way they could have predicted that. That's why <laughs> this is such an accident. But, like, both of these cards help you beat the card that is good against your deck. And, like, they're both extremely expensive. And it's like, wait, <laughs> there's no way you thought this would happen. But it did. Right? And so, as far as not nerfing leader, leave yeah. him alone fucking buff leader dude <laughs> like that card is in series three like I, I at this point i am totally against nerfing any card in series three or below forever like i refuse to acknowledge that that should happen buff them all let's just acknowledge that within seven days leader went from the bad guy the ultimate villain in marvel snap to a full-on redemption arc as the yeah. free-to-play hero no he's a hero <laughs> now the leader's a hero now Leader, leader is your free to play. Your free to play god. Leader is the best free to play card. Do not nerf the best free to play card. It's like nerfing Devil Dinosaur, which has happened several times. Don't do it. Buff them. Give Devil Dinosaur an extra power. Give Leader an extra power. I don't want to. I don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> like until we have a deck that competes with this whale garbage. I don't want. I don't want any nerfs to any pool three cards anymore. And I. I I say this acknowledging a little jokingly. Yeah. That what I'm saying is not uh, a viable business model because most of the people aren't going to be playing against the whale garbage, but they are going to be playing against leader and they should balance for people who are having a bad experience against leader. And it is totally fine to do. But man, if you're like mid pool three with a high elo, the only card you want is leader. <laughs> There's nothing else you can play. Like he goes in everything. He's so good against these decks. And uh it's 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 tough because at the highest levels of collection and MMR, uh leader has plenty of counters now because of the the preponderance of Darkhawk, because of the preponderance of Shuri. But it, most people aren't gonna run into that, right? Most people are just gonna be like collection level 1500 and get leadered and look at that and be like, oh, that's bullshit. Like, so I guess maybe you have to hit him. I don't know. But man, it 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 is it is very odd that I, I, I don't think they should balance for me, to be clear. So like but if if I had my magical little silo of Marvel Snap, I would not know. Yeah. 
obviously they have to balance for everybody who isn't me. And that means they probably should. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, luckily they did. The, the potential nerfs that are coming are very slight. You know, they didn't listen to uh, kind of the mob that was calling for leader deletion or rework and things like that. So probably a good decision. We'll see as those nerfs. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that, right? That uh, didn't Ben Brode say that like this was just sort of a placeholder. Yeah, exactly. They debated larger Exactly. Changes. So they didn't overreact. So we yeah. don't know that they're not going to. Yeah. Well, it's it's like, that they didn't overreact, right? And I think that's good, you know, because a lot of the the sort of sentiment and narrative going into this potential uh, patch was that leader needed kind of like massive changes, right? It was a huge issue with the game, and I think that um, you know Second Dinner responded correctly, especially in the context of how the meta has switched with the release of Savage Land. Yeah. Awesome. Agreed. All right. So into our bend and snap listener question section, we actually do have a question this time, KM, and this is from YouTube with user zero is nine. Um, they say, how would you incorporate the new battle mode in a tournament setting? Would it be single limb? If not single limb, would you allow players to switch decks in between rounds? Do you think organizers should implement house rules like banning a card, even if it's playable in the game? So maybe series five cards. Uh, but the tourney, but the tourney organizer feels that it's healthy. So, what could they ban cards to make it more? Yeah, increase the competitive integrity. Basically, um, it's a lot of questions, Cam. But just give me your vision of potentially how you see tournaments actually working out, just in general. I would think that if you are a, I, I don't have a specific vision. There are a couple sort of guidelines I would want to follow if I was a tournament organizer. Though the first is, I would want them to be fast. You are playing a game called Marvel Snap. That means that you should not be waiting around for pairings for like as long as it takes for a game to play. So whatever platform they're on, it should be a speedy one. Whatever situation you find yourself in, it should be a speedy one. Like these are these games are five minutes. If I'm waiting five minutes for a five minute game, what are we doing here? Uh, I think the other one would be. I. Banning cards because of collectability issues feels like more reasonable to me than banning cards because people feel they're unhealthy. Um, if you want to ban a card because you just think, you know, the existence of Series 5 is complete garbage or whatever, and I know there are plenty of people who do think that, uh, you just want to ban all Series 5 cards, go off. But if you, as a tournament organizer, are someone who's just like, I always lose to Galactus. Let's ban Galactus. I think that shit sucks. Um, I be fair with your bans and don't just ban the cards that beat the things you play on ladder, basically. And I, I, I worry that unless bans are blanket, no series five cards, no series four cards, things like that then they would lead to just <laughs> the just a, a rash of sort of vaguely unprofessional tournament organizers just banning cards they don't like. Yeah. And I think that would be uh, an unpleasant scenario to allow. Yeah, in. and it's very unlikely to happen. I mean, there's been potential for a tournament organizers to do that kind of thing in pretty much every digital card game, even physical card game, and it just doesn't yeah. happen on the aggregate. Yeah. It just doesn't happen because like it's ridiculous. But like with Marvel Snap, the sentiment like if you if you ran a no leader tournament like two weeks ago i bet yeah. that would play. more, pe more people you know would I mean? join that one yeah yeah I bet so that would play. in terms of 
format. So single limb, non-single limb. I, I, I'm not sure if this is exactly how battle mode works. I can't remember because it's kind of off the cuff. I'm picking it out of my brain. But this idea of you have this like uh, 10 cube pool uh, against the other player, mm-hmm. and that's sort of how you're playing. I don't know if we need to look at the exact number of 10, but I do think that's probably the most effective way to do it. So you can keep this this snapping thing in, you know, the snapping concept of Marvel Snap in tournaments is that you're, you have like a set number of cubes before you go into this match against this other player. And yeah, you basically play till you lose those. They'll have to implement something so that, you know, it, your opponent can't like snap you when they're on, they only have one cube to wager and then they've snapped you to try to get more cubes from you, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm sure they code that into the client. I do think that's probably the best way to do 1v1 in Marvel Snap in a tournament scenario is like we both start with a set number of cubes and whoever wins them all wins, yep. basically. I do want to highlight one issue though, and it's the issue of rope snapping. The way Marvel Snap works is once you lock in your play, it is locked in. And if your opponent snaps you after you have locked in your play, sorry, tough luck. And what that incentivizes is, you know, if you're going to do something that if you snap, it is pretty telegraphed, what you should do is wait until the very end of the turn, snap, make the play, and hope that your opponent has not has already locked in a play that loses to your very telegraphed. Like, let's say you're in a position where arrow leader wins and you have arrow and leader, right? You, what you're supposed to do is wait as long as possible so they don't think, oh, why would they snap on turn five? They must have arrow and leader. They'll have already made their play. And the frustrating bit about this is the counterplay to this is you're just supposed to wait mm-hmm. every turn. You are supposed to burn the rope every single turn. Wait the entire time that you are allotted every single turn. And if there are actual stakes, like very few people do this on ladder. Thank God. But if there are actual stakes, people, that is what optimal play looks like. And that sucks. I'm happy you brought that up because that sounds like it is definitely not intentional for a tournament setting because you are 100% correct. That is how it works. And people don't take advantage of that on ladder because they're playing ladder, right? And the stakes are low. And yeah. that would be a painful thing to do. And it would probably a little too try hard. But yeah, in a tournament setting, that would absolutely happen. And that is a weird thing. Like, right, after you've locked in your play, they can snap you and then you can't change it. Um, it absolutely should be changed for a tournament play. I'm happy you brought that up. That's a fantastic point. Yeah, the, the, the classic example I use is like, you're playing a deck that wants to play Professor X on five. You're never snapping early. You always just wait and hope they make a play that loses to Professor X on five. Because if you snap, they're like, oh, they have Professor X. (laughs) This is this is like a very like uh, I think it matters more weirdly at like lower levels of play or, you know, my level of play where I'm on stream and I just forget what people can play and then they'll snap and I'll be like, oh, that's why they're snapping, even though I should have been playing around that already. But still, like, it's not a good mechanic to exist yeah it seems unintentional at a it's at least in a tournament setting it seems like that would be fully unintentional and should be fixed i would say fix is probably the correct word for that if you want to ban anything from a tournament setting that would be it um so yeah that's our that's our bend and snap scenario that's our listener question section um of the pod if you want to get your question read out on next week's podcast comment in the youtube uh comments below multiple use of comments uh but yeah shoot us shoot us a question there we'll read out in the pod we'll mention your name and i love doing this because this is something that probably wouldn't have made it into the pod and that's a uh, what you brought up was a part of tournament play that i 
kind of knew existed, but had completely forgot about. And that has major implications if it does make it through um, to that uh, to that tournament play. So let's get into the main topic. We talked about this a little bit in the news. It's going to be all about Zabu. We're going to talk about how to build it, popular decks, um, basically what the infinite ladder is looking like right now. But let's start a bit zoomed out. Um, Cam, just give me the breakdown of meta impl implications, if you could sum it up. I know we talked about it a bit in the news, but Zabu looks like it is making a huge impact is usually coupled with Darkhawk, let's say that, but it has emerged as what I would consider to be the top or the best deck. Would you agree? Uh, no, probably not necessarily. I still think we're in like the new tool, new toy phase, you know, where everyone's just like, all right, this card does obviously strong things. But like, it's not like it does of obviously strong things without a cap or anything, right? Like, the most oppressive thing it can do is play a bunch of stats. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's not that bad. It's just that, like, in the context of, you know, these arrow leader decks, it's like, oh, man, you played a bunch of stats, and now you're ahead forever. <laughs> like, that's that's where it sucks, right? Where you're just like, aha, I have cleverly played Zabu into Darkhawk and Rockslide into Arrow and Leader. Nice game. Hope you had fun, right? Like, that's where it sucks. And I, I think there is something to the idea that, like, you know, Dark Hawk actually opens you up to people breaking leader symmetry with uh, Shang-Chi, mm -hmm. things like that. Shang-Chi and Enchantress like there, there's the deck's not unbeatable. It's it's just like a, a, a good stuff mid range deck with like some extra explosive power or most of the Zabu decks. I think actually the, the most oppressive thing on a game to game basis the Zabu decks do is double yes. Spider-Man. It's just that only ever wins two cubes like that never actually wins more than two cubes. It is actually impossible for that yep. to happen. And we saw a Dr. Uh, Doom. I've come never out seen as it well. happen. I have. Yeah. Like, like the, the, that's the most oppressive mm -hmm. thing they do. But like the cube system sort of inherently balances that because it's like, do you really want to put those two cards in your deck for a chance to win two or one cubes? And then every other time you draw them, they are worthless. Like it's like they are, they are balanced in that sense. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting spot. Cause like you have to build your deck with a bunch of four drops, but you also have to build your deck to function without Zabu. And there are different ways of doing yeah. this. And I, I don't necessarily think it's the strongest thing in the game. I, I think, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we came to the conclusion that Surfer was just the best deck in the game still. Or if we came to the conclusion that, I don't know, pick, pick any of the decks from last month even. I, I still wouldn't be shocked if one of them was good. Surfer is probably the front runner for non-Zabu deck right now mm -hmm. for me. But that's just, that's just vibes. So... After playing it um, only for you know only four hours and all, like you said last week, but hitting infinite, do you think that the meta feels fresh compared to where it was uh, before the before the season drop? Yeah, there's just a bunch of people trying stuff, and that's always fun. Um, now, would I be saying that if I hadn't farmed all those people trying stuff with my three hundred dollar card? Uh, maybe not. Like I don't know. Like it's hard. The number one, there's a famous post that talks about how, like, the number one predictor of whether or not you enjoyed a game was whether or not you yes. won it. Like, we're we're really bad at telling what fun is outside of our experience of winning and losing. And so I, I, I don't think I can really make a judgment because I've been doing a lot of winning recently. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I have been farming. It's been easy. And that's not, like... 
Not to say I've never like had lost streaks and gotten upset or anything, but like on the whole, this climb was easier than last month's. And I got to imagine that's because of the $300 I spent on two cards. Do you think that uh, Arrow and Leader are still going to make it into the top end of most of these mid-range decks? Because I mean, so Zabu is, it is fresh, right? It's putting a lot of four cost cards in our decks and giving us a sort of new way to play with those. But I do find that a lot of these decks are including the top end of Leader and of Arrow, which are sort of... Uh, it feels pretty similar, samey, and how the how the deck will play on those five to six uh, that five and six turn if it's ahead, right? Um, you know, exploiting leader after winning two lanes. Do you think that we're going to see those cards exist as the top end curve moving forward? Do you think that that's just kind of like the best thing you can be doing on turn five, turn six if you're a mid range deck, if you're not one of these synergistic decks like like Patriot or like Surfer, things like that? Sort of depends on what else develops, right? Uh, Arrow, I think, is just always going to be good arrow is is always going to be good she's always going to be in decks she's always going to be one of the best five drops in the game that's just how it is she does something incredibly powerful so unless boards are getting incredibly full very early arrow is going to be good now that's not like an impossible thing to happen uh it's just that they they've taken great pains to make early board flood uh, a very punishable thing so for now, I think Arrow is, is much safer as like a card that's going to be good forever yeah. than Leader. Uh, leader A is in line for another nerf, and B is a little weak to things like Surfer, a little weak to things like Mystique, and conflicts a lot with wanting to run tech cards in your Zabu deck. Like, for example, I'm running Zabu with Leader and Arrow right now. I don't really know if that's right. Like, I could be running Shang-Chi and Enchantress or something like that and having better Zabu turns or really just playing them to swing boards. Like, th the more you're reliant on big things from Shuri and Darkhawk, the worse you get blown out by opposing Shang-Chi's. Like, there's definitely something to that. I also noticed that uh, some of the decks that the deck I played was weakest to were just decks that played like Shuri into Red Skull. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I actually just lose to 30 points. I actually just can't beat 30 points in two lanes. So like there are definitely decks that can do things like if you're putting 30 points in two lanes there, it's actually pretty hard for a non Shang-Chi leader arrow deck to get to get do you think that zabu feels high variance like does it feel like the games you win so oh, the yeah. games you win feel like draw zabu win the game and the games you lose are like okay i didn't draw zabu so i'm just gonna retreat and take my cube well, loss i built my deck to be uh, as low variance as possible the zabu deck that i'm playing where it's just like you know okay i didn't draw zabu that's fine i didn't draw zabu i'm just gonna play like Shuri arrow leader and that's going to be good enough like 60% of the time and that's that's like I built my deck for that it's important to note though that like in snap I'm not sure that's optimal maybe you're just supposed to go like minus one plus eight but I I, I lose my actual mind if I lose like four games in a row regardless of the cube ratio so I build a lot of my decks to just be functional I build for uh, baseline rather than explosion yeah, that's something I would like to dive into at, at a later point to probably its own topic. Its own topic itself is the game theory in Marvel Snap and how that 
sort of changes deck building. You know, like you said, losing the one cube versus like if you lose, let's say you lose four games in a row, but you're losing one cube on each, and then you win the four cuber, you win the eight cuber, your cube rate could be higher. Um, and yeah, so mm-hmm. maybe incentivizing higher variance decks at that. What do you think about the the Zabu Mir? Is it something that you think it could do for the rest of the month, uh, or is it pretty painful? No, yeah. it sucks. <laughs> the Sabu Mirror is exactly as bad as you think it is. It's exactly as bad as it sounds. But there is the added wrinkle of like, okay, they drew Zabu. What if they just don't draw their fours? <laughs> it's not like you actually lose. It's just like, you know, you lose to the nut draw if you don't have it, right? That That's kind of every card game, I suppose. But like the, the Zabu Mirror, it feels more painful. But like there are like games where they'll go like, all right, here's my turn three Zabu. And then their turn four play is like, an armor and a white queen and it's like wait you actually you actually just played like a three five and a four six so that's not actually good like you could have just played mr fantastic into white queen and that would have been more points but like when they when they really do the thing when they really go off then it feels very bad I know you're going to be exploring this a lot over uh, this coming week, but if you had to pick some decks to be playing right now that weren't Zabu uh, to compete at that higher end of the ladder, maybe just, we'll say, in infinite rank right now, what decks would, would come to mind initially? So these are Surfer. Surfer. Okay, so we talked about Surfer, right? Surfer. Surfer is number yep. one with a bullet. Uh, when you talk about decks that can put, like, 30 power in two lanes, Surfer can't do 30, but it can do, like, 20 in three. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. It can pick its spots well because it's a Sarah deck. You do need to commit Brood a little early, which can be rough, but you are at the very least competitive. The place I would look for dealing with these decks is decks that point slam well and don't get absolutely demolished by Shang-Chi and Enchantress. And Surfer is that, right? There's also, say, you know, like the Red Skull decks, but those kind of need Shuri. And also, they have a tendency to get demolished by Shang-Chi, and it's hard to not expect a a, a deck like that to play Shang-Chi, a deck like Zabu to play Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is, I think, the more applicable of the two tech cards most of the mm-hmm. time, and that is the one I would expect more than Enchantress. And so if you're setting yourself up to be like, ha my large 30-power idiot, and you don't have a Cosmo in that lane, you're going to lose yeah. that lane. Like, that's, that's happening. Uh, outside of that, I am interested to see how just normal Sarah works. I'm interested to see how Dino works. I'm interested to see how like budget Zabu discard decks work. Zabu control lists with like Spider-Man and uh, let's say, you know, none of the series five cards, none of the series four cards, things like that. Goose. Outside of that, though, I'm a little worried. <laughs> Like, um, I'll be honest with you. I am a little bit worried well, because all the things that the metagame used to be like, you know, OK. There's this thing at the top, the Leech Leader Good Stuff deck, the what we run Shuri Envision in it instead of Leech or whatever. Like there, there's this thing at the top, but it's not like it's unbeatable. It's competing on a similar power level as everything else. And I think something needs to come along to be able to deal with these other decks i think i think at some point there will be like a realization that oh wait surfer can just go just as big and then it becomes like a surfer meta again and then suddenly things start moving hopefully i don't i don't know if that's true though you know i'm a little worried well, let's uh if you think you're worried now let's close it out with a spicy one i'll ask you how important is darkhawk 
That dude's important. At the highest levels of play, finding ways to break leader symmetry is important. So when that becomes less important, he'll be less important. But right now, you can play Darkhawk, and he's just like a 4-11 on average with like a Korg or a Rock Slide. And it's just like, oh, well, that's like a big number. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a lot of stats for not a lot of cost. Yeah. It reminds me of when Devil Dinosaur was a four power uh, four cost card. It's just like, oh, that that's that's just like the biggest guy at four. And that's actually what like Darkhawk is not like, oh, oh, my God, he's so good. He's amazing. He's the best. It's just that like, OK, is there a better stat stick at four? Not really. Like, what are you going to play crossbones? That's just Darkhawk, but yeah, worse. Way worse. <laughs> and, and it's like, uh, like it, it, it's really just that, like, it, it's just one of the best in slot mm. fours. And it allows you to play Rock Slide, who is, I think, actually a very good card, and not feel bad about it. And that's also really good. Because the Rock stuff matters. And, you know, if you're playing Rock Slide, suddenly he's like a 410 uh, with Darkhawk. And she's like, oh, oh, we have, like, cards that have stats now. Because Zabu is supposed to be balanced. I think Zabu is actually probably 100% balanced if those two cards yeah. don't exist. If you still have to play like series three and below four costs, that card's barely even good. You're talking about like Jessica Jones. Like we're, that you can deal with. You can deal with like three Jessica Joneses. That's beatable. You can outpoint slam that. But suddenly they're doing other stuff and they're using it as setup for Arrow Leader. And then we're in trouble. And again, I, I don't think the deck is as good as people say it is, but it does do some things that do not feel good. Or, and Darkhawk is a big part of that. He's just best in the slot. It, yeah, I agree with you. So if like if you looked at Crossbones as like an option, I mean, it is way worse um, considering the, the yep. sort of condition you have to meet to play Crossbones. Let's go into Deckless, uh, Cam, and talk about how to build it. So I have your, I'm going to, by the way, if you're listening on Spotify or anything like that, if you're, if you're. If you want to go to the YouTube video, we will be flashing these deck lists on the screen. Um, but Cam, I think I have your initial <laughs> Zabu deck list here, uh, which you probably used to climb pretty far in the evolution of that, which was Gossip Girl. Talk to me a little bit about V1 um, here and then how you made the decision. What card you swapped out to get to version two with the Shuri um, and stuff like that in it? So what happened was with version one, what I did... What I did was just like, all right, what I'm going to do here is just put like a bunch of broken Darkhawk and Zabu things in with a typical good stuff shell of, you know, Scorpion, Armor, Lizard, Arrow, Leader, like I'm a genius. I did it. It's awesome. And then uh, I was thinking later that day, I'm not even sure this version is is worse than the other version that I was playing, uh, the Gossip Girl deck. Because I did notice that the Gossip Girl deck, I really missed Shang-Chi. Like, once you take Shang-Chi out of this, you basically guarantee that you lose to Shuri, Red Skull, Taskmaster 100% of the time. You have actually no answers in the entire deck to that. It just doesn't exist. And so, you know, because my metagame is so uh, warped, there's like, I play against a player, I play against him four times in a row, and it's Shuri, Red Skull every time. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, okay. I actually lose that 100% if you just draw the cards. So I, I, I don't think I think the thought process with the first one is just these are the five best series uh, series. These are the five best four cost cards. We're going to plan Spider-Man, Absorbing Man, Darkhawk and Rockslide and then Shang-Chi. Yeah. 
And then uh, the rest of it was just, you know, let's let's put good cards in the deck. And then I was like, there's a little bit of conflict here. A, Spider-Man Absorbing Man only ever wins me two cubes. B, Shang-Chi and Leader want to be played on the same turn. So in order to alleviate that, I was like, all right, what if we just cut them and just ran a bunch of good stuff instead? And that's how we ended up with the deck that I'm calling Gossip Girl. Shuri, not very good, honestly. But it's not like I have any better ideas. And White Queen is just... I mm. love her. The inf information is her. definitely non-zero on White Queen. I think that is one of the most unappreciated I, things. That info I, is so good. I love her so much. She just has good stats, but not so good that you have to worry about dying to a tech card. She gives you a card. That's awesome. Great. Outstanding card. I, I might be the biggest White Queen fan. Once you put her in a deck, it is so hard to take her out of a deck. Because she is never going to be bad. She is never going to be like, God, I wish I had something other than white. You play white queen, you're happy every time. And and like, I don't know if that makes her good or if that makes her uh, a trap. But if it is a trap, I am in the trap. I have fallen for the trap. Yeah, uh, I am also in the trap of, of white queen. My favorite four drop, I think, at this point. Obviously, Darkhawk is uh, creeping so up good. there. You just, you, she does everything you want. He does everything you want. What would you say are some of the key play lines of the deck that maybe some people miss, right? You talked about Spider-Man Absorbing Man, which I think is I think is good. If, if you just looked at this list vanilla, you might not immediately notice like, oh, we play Spider-Man so that we can also play Absorbing Man and lock down two lanes. Like that is very powerful. Is there anything else, like any other yep. key lines that you think people might be missing when playing this deck? Honestly, it's kind of straightforward, really. right? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty straightforward. You play good cards, and then uh, some of the games you draw Zabu, and then when you draw Zabu, you do something incredibly stupid on turns four and five, and then uh, you're probably ahead, so you're probably going to win when you play leader. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Like you do, you do just some incredibly stupid garbage when you just like, all right, well, what are we going to do? We're going to play Zabu. Okay, what are we playing Zabu into? I don't know. Rock slide absorbing man. There's four rocks. Oh, here's a dark hawk. He has 17 power. Like <laughs> that's kind of just the deck. Uh, I mean, like there's obviously the same nuances that a normal Marvel Snap deck will have, right? In terms of like you know, where do I think my opponent's card is going to go, and how do I set up my lanes such that mm -hmm. leader wins them for me or arrow wins them for me? Which of them am I playing towards? Right? Like there's stuff like that, but mostly you're just playing cards. Yeah. Mostly you just you just there are cards in your hand and then you put them on the board and then uh, you win the game. Pretty common for a mid range to be. <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, something yeah. We'll, a lot of people will be this used is, to. This is yeah, exactly this. This is junk, right? Like this is just like uh, I'm casting lightning <laughs> here. I'm getting a bunch of value. Uh, can you beat it? And then see. Yeah. OK. All right, so let's go talk about some other deck lists from other content creators and stuff. I've seen crop up on Twitter. We see so I have some pretty some takes that are a lot different from what you did and then some that are quite similar so the first one i have here is from dara which is very obviously a very similar list but he has he has opted to play both cosmo and enchantress two reactive and tech cards what do you think about this list do you think that this is kind of needed in the current ladder environment or just an option if you want to be playing on that more reactive side and kind of be blowing out your opponent with those with those tech cards I'm too stupid to play Cosmo in this deck. Like that that's play really Cosmo hurt yourself. I'm too stupid to Yes, like I will Cosmo myself. I'm too stupid to do that. I like I am not 
about to put myself in a scenario where I'm like, ha I'm going to win the game with this arrow. Oh, shit. I'm going to win the game with this leader. Oh, I'm going to win the game with a Spider-Man. I'm like every card in the deck, man. Like there is, there are two cards in the deck that are not on reveal and they are Zabu and Darkhawk other than Cosmo, right? Every other card, your Cosmo turns off your own shit. I get what he's doing here, though, because like the idea with the Cosmo is you protect your Darkhawk from the stuff that breaks leader symmetry. It's smart, but I'm too stupid for it. Yeah, I think that it's an option out there for players that want to be playing cards like Enchantress, like Cosmo to interact with their opponent. Um, you know, like one of the things that Darkhawk deck kind of can't do without some of those cards is interact right so you can't get blown out by these big um sort of th these big decks yeah. or these silver surfer decks maybe these wong decks like you just can't do anything you see wong you're like oh i can't really do much about that i think that's actually what the cosmo is for is just like he really hated losing to silver yeah. surfer like, it's just like i i can't because silver surfer does go bigger mm -hmm. than you right dare has always been uh bigger on cosmo in his uh like mid-range decks than i have i remember back i think it was like leaving the beta his favorite Sarah deck ran not just Shang-Chi and Enchantress, but also Cosmo. And I think that that's like, he's always been bigger on like, I'm going to go, I'm going to read where they're playing this and I'm going to win the game off of it with Cosmo. And I have always been uh, less focused on Cosmo as that. And I, that could be an oversight on my part, frankly. Well, I'm, but I, I suspect that it's not just protecting your dark Hawk. It's also just like, man, I really hate silver surfer. <laughs> yeah, I'm on I'm on your side where I've uh, I've, I've been experimenting with this list and been frequently finding myself locking a lane out for me because my Cosmo has turned off my entire deck and I'm like, oh, God. Um, so next up, let's talk about Shuri plus Zabu control. So Zabu control tends to have, you know, the Spider-Man absorbing man package. Often we'll play Goose as well. Goose does uh, sort of it, it pairs quite well with Zabu. But then again, you really do need the Zabu if you're going to be playing the Goose runs Ma Maximus here uh, just in case. I guess it doesn't get the Zabu discount so it can play into that lane. Maximus, obviously a great three drop at that. But this package to me that's particularly interest, interesting is the Daredevil, the Shuri into Vision, a very powerful interaction that we saw last month as well. And, you know, Shuri obviously will buff Light Queen and Arrow to massive, massive power levels. Have you had any, have you had any exposure to these sort of quote unquote control lists? This looks like heat. I just, I, the, the gamer in me is like, all right, we cannot play Spider Man Absorbing Man in any of this stuff because it's like, that is just like, I would love to win two cubes and lose mm. eight. Like, like that is, I don't know. I, I like the, 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 it's a very strong thing to do that feels very good, but I feel like it never wins you four cubes. I have never won four cubes with it. I almost wonder if you can't just be like, all right, uh, See, the issue is we want to play like, you know, it would be like Darkhawk Rock Slide there, but Maximus conflicts with that and we lose like the, the additional stats from the Maximus. So then we'd have to play something like Thor, which is actually kind of bad because we need to draw all of our cards. So then you're looking at something like Mr. Fantastic, which is like, you know, that's a good card. It's fine, but like a little unexciting. Mm -hmm. uh, I like it. This deck looks like yeah. heat to me. I, I, I If you're going to play a Spider-Man Absorber Man deck, I mean, that's a pretty cool one to play. I do wonder about the efficacy of Shuri Vision if you're not running leader, because like one of the big visions upsides is just like. It's dino on wheels, and that makes it really easy to set up leader checkmates, basically. Yeah. And I think that you could potentially fit a Shang-Chi in here as well. If you are looking to be 
very interactive yeah. with the opponent. It's like Shang-Chi's probably one of the more powerful interactive pieces, and it's getting discounted by that Zabu. Um, so probably a potential include. I I do you talked about the 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 cube the cube rate thing, right? Which is a something that plagues control decks in Marvel Snap just in general, right? Is that you're often finding yourself, you know, winning a cube here, winning a cube there. If you develop if you develop an advantage very early and your deck tends to do that and it's locking the opponent out of the game, which is kind of what Spider-Man does, it's rare you're gonna get a lot of cubes. Um, I actually found that problem. I had a huge problem with that last meta with the Leech Leader deck. I just found that I would win one cube oh, yeah. all the time, but then that one time when I got a bit overzealous and snapped when I maybe shouldn't have, I would lose eight cubes, and I was like, I'm not playing this deck. <laughs> like It was so freaking tilting. <laughs> um, all right, got a flash... One last decklist here, which is another Zabu Control. Zabu Control 2 is a hout here, but this is a bit on the wild side. So we have uh, Black Widow, we have Wong, um, obviously the Spider-Man Absorbing Man, we have Crystal to filter through the deck, Moon Girl to potentially copy the Starcocks, uh, maybe copy the Spider-Mans as well. Goose, again, Goose is a pr- yeah, Goose is going to be kind of a staple to some of these control decks with the Zabu uh, because Zabu is going to let you play those bigger cost cards into the Goose lane. And then Mystique, which is <laughs> interesting, you know, it can copy the Darkhawk, can copy the Zabu. I find that it doesn't, you don't really curve into Mystique very well, um, so it feels a bit clunky. But you know, having two Darkhawks is pretty powerful. What are your thoughts, sort of, on this? Um, could you see yourself running some of this? I mean, the the Black Widow can be pretty annoying sometimes, but uh, yeah, I actually had a bit of success with this are... list. To be honest, I, I tried this one and it worked out well for me, surprisingly. I think there are a few things that I don't like about this. Um, I think Black Widow is chief among <laughs> them because. The idea here is, you know, we'll buff Darkhawk, right? It's a 2-3, because we get Darkhawk. But, like, have you ever considered about what happens if we don't draw Darkhawk? Because, you know, yeah, sure, we we denied them a draw by playing Black Widow, but we also denied ourselves a draw by putting Black Widow in our deck. Like, I, I, uh, I am not a fan. This is, like, an overriding deck-building principle you will see from me every time is stop playing bad synergy shit unless you have multiple targets for it. Unless you have multiple reasons for to be doing the thing. Because otherwise, that card is going to suck, right? When you look at the highest-performing Silver Surfer decks, and I actually do take some credit for this, like the highest-performing Silver Surfer decks on Snapfan right now, right? You go to you go to Snapfan, you sort by Pool 3+, include deck stats, recent win percentage, sorted by descending. The first three decks are all Sarah Surfer decks playing Iceman, Scorpion, and Armor. And that's because they're playing good cards. They're playing good cards and they're not playing Forge and Nova because like that's bad. Don't play bad cards, play good cards. I get why you'd want to play Forge. There's synergy with Brood. But what happens if you don't draw Brood? You're playing a 2-3 with no other upside. It sucks. And like you're playing Nova. What happens if you play Nova and don't draw Killmonger? Oh, it's a 1-2. It did nothing. It You played Misty Knight, right? Don't play bad cards that have synergy with one card in your deck play if you must do them you do it for a second reason right if you play black widow you're like all right there is a deck in the metagame that i really do not want to draw a card like uh hella or something right that's when you bring black widow into these decks because it has value there and with dark hawk right mystique this deck actually does run goose and there's like some very fun upside where you go like goose mystique I think that's actually pretty cute. Uh, but like a lot of these decks are like not running Goose. And so they're just running Mystique as a Darkhawk target. And it's like, well, you're not going to draw it every game. 
<laughs> like you're not drawing this card every game. And if you don't draw it, you're just holding this three zero that does nothing. Yeah. And I, I think uh, so much of my deck building is what if we take out the bad synergy pieces and run cards that are good instead of running bad synergy pieces? There's a point at which synergy really matters, right? You look at a Mr. Negative deck. That is a synergy deck. It is a deck built on cards that function with your enabler, right? But there is also a point at which, like, if you're not have, if you don't have multiple synergistic targets, like if you don't have, you know, Mr. Sinister and Brood in your Forge deck, it's gonna suck a lot of the time, or or be worse than replacement level a lot of the time. And I think the other thing with people running Brood, I just this is a tangent. People running Brood in Silver Surfer decks. It's like, what, you needed more power in the brood lane? Who contests a brood lane? <laughs> like, nobody in their right mind is going to see you play brood and then be like, yep, that's the lane I'm going into. <laughs> like, everyone knows that's 15 power for free, right? Like, nobody's going to do that. You don't need to add the six more there, right? And that's the other issue with Forge. Like, it, it, these are these cards that sort of push you into, like, over-investing in weird spots. And I think, I think this deck's actually built... It, it's the best version of this like concept I've seen iterated on where you're just running a bunch of synergy pieces instead of just good cards because at least you have this goose mystique thing, which is actually extremely funny and a powerful thing to be doing. But the rest, the rest of it, like the rest of these decks that are just running like a mystique for a dark hawk, I think that's a yeah. mistake. I saw a lot of Moon Girl in the earlier list. It's it's come out since. That's also yeah. a mistake. It's come out since. It was it was pretty cheeky with some of the Spider Man stuff. Um, but yeah, that that is like the definition of a yeah. win more. Well, because you only play the Moon Girl. The Moon Girl is only ever good if you already played Sabu. In which case, your win rate is already like fuck sixty five percent. You're like what? You needed to make it go from sixty five to seventy. What you were gonna lose that game somehow? I don't know. Hundred percent. It's and that's like, exactly what you talked about with like over like adding forge to just increase your equity in the brood lane just doesn't really make any sense because yeah. that's the lane that you're winning. Like now you have to win the other lane. That's the problem. But yeah. All right. Yep. That's pretty much it. Like I, I that is of the cute decks I've seen, that's the one I like the most, I think. But that's a pretty low <laughs> bar. I am a. I really want Black Widow to be good. I ran her in Sarah for a long time in the beta because I was there was a meta game that allowed you to really attack board space. Mm -hmm. So you'd run like Black Widow, Green Goblin, and Debris, and then you would have the Carnage stuff to clean it up, and you'd just just absolutely dump on other Sarah decks because like they were all trying to do like uh, I have three spaces, I have one space left in this lane, and a big Iron Man is going there on turn seven because I play Magic, and then it's like no, actually a Rock is going there. Like there was a lot of there was a lot of room to play around with that in the beta, but that is no longer the yeah. case. All right, well let's close it out. Um, I think that this kind of goes without saying, but do you think do you think Zabu's here to stay at least for this season? Yeah, Probably seems like it, right? I uh, I mean I think I think I think it's again I think it's worse than people mm -hmm. think. Uh, but I do think it's pretty it's pretty good. Yep. Like I don't think I I do think that probably Surfer is going to be a little stronger in the long run. Like if, when we look back at these battle passes and it's like, which of the two broken battle pass cards was the strongest? Probably Surfer is the one, but I, that's really just by virtue of getting to play so much interaction, right? Surfer gets to play Killmonger. Surfer gets to play Cosmo. You can even put Rogue in there. Surfer gets to be this sort of 
aggro control deck, right? Goes big, still interacts, and it interacts cheaply, even when it doesn't draw Stara, right? It can still win games. And if it doesn't draw Surfer, it's a little bit screwed, but, you know, 75% chance every game, what can you do? Yeah. Uh, Zabu, I have hopes for. I, I think the current shells for it are just so unrefined. And I guess the fact that like we're running over the ladder with unrefined shells is uh, an indicator that it's probably here to stay. But I hope there's some evolution to be found, basically. Yeah. Well, I think that both you and I would be on the share the sentiment that you know, the, the meta is definitely not solved at this point. We're going to see more refinement in the Zabu decks. We'll probably see other decks creep up to combat it. Um, it, it it hasn't been immensely popular. Like I haven't seen one, you know, one deck that really comes out swinging. It's just like, oh, this dunks on my Zabu deck. It's the only thing I don't want to play. Like when I'm playing Zabu, the main thing I don't want to play is uh, other Zabu decks at this point. Um, but if you, you've been, you know, you kind of ended with the the Gossip Gill version of the deck. Is there any other cards that you're sort of thinking about that you think could potentially make it in? Stuff that you're missing from old versions? Just some cards you could write off your head that maybe other people could experiment with. I think it's less about the fours that you want to play and more about what your end game wants to be. Um, leader, not a, worse in this list than he has been in any other list, right? Arrow, also worse, right? Because, like, you know, ideally you're getting a couple turns of Zabu, but really in, in the deck I'm playing, you're just doing Zabu into two fours into leader and arrow, right? And so, like, there's, there's, I feel like there's room to play around to see if there's a deck you can make that functions with Zabu and without Zabu. And I don't think I'm there yet. I think I tried, but I don't think I'm there. Like, I, I don't have specific cards in mind, but the end game is the bit that's really gnawing at me, right? Like, because you want to be, do you want to be a point slam deck or do you want to be an arrow leader deck? Is there another card that I could play there that I would feel good playing on five? Can I win games with with just four drops? Like if I just play a million four drops, is that enough? Dracula, I think, is the number one card I want to name check. Uh, it'll add about four percent chance to you drawing Zabu on turn. Uh, well, no, you'll go from fifty percent to about fifty four percent, which is not a four percent chance. Actually, it's like a eight percent chance increase when you think about it like that. I think I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Math. If you know math, I'm sorry. I'm sure I was wrong. It makes you more likely to draw Zabu if you run America yeah. Chavez. And Dracula dumping America Chavez is, is one way to look at this. But the issue that I have with those is uh, you're going to run out of cards. And that's where like the Moon Girl stuff actually seems to make sense. But then what happens if you don't draw Dracula and you do draw America Chavez. You're just sitting there with a six, nine in hand. You're like, wait, Oh, I don't, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Like that, that is something I Dracula. Sarah has been a bugaboo of mine forever. I have always wanted it to work. I have never successfully made it happen. And Dracula Zabu is, is very close to be, be becoming yet another one of those where it's just like, I know this has to be good. That, that, 4% increase. It's so good. But I I have no idea if it actually is. There's a and I, I don't know how to popular deck builder on Twitter and Marvel Snap Zone, Dan, who constantly runs America Chavez and his decks. And I think that sometimes when I copy them, it's one of my first cuts. Because yeah. the last thing I want to do is be ending up on turn six with America Chavez. I'm just like, uh, here's my six nine leader. I'm like, oh, I, 
I mean, there's a decent chance that Den knows something we don't, right? Like, I have a lot of respect for Den as a player. And it's just like, like, I, like, I get it. I get why he does this, because I want to do this, too. I just can't make myself do it. Like, I totally, I totally get it. But, oh, my God, I can't bring myself to do it. All right. Well, let's close it out there. Um, week one of the Savage Land meta is in flux right now. It does look like Zabu is sort of dominating most of the most of the ladder, but we could see that change pretty quickly. You know, innovations do crop up, and yeah, Zabu could be a targetable deck. We will see. Maybe the patch notes will come out. They could adjust them. I'm not sure, but that leader nerf does. We should expect it to come pretty soon. I'm very excited for friendly battles. You know, the interview with Ben Brode has me pumped for the next month or two of Marvel Snap because once tournament hits, tournaments hit and friendly battles hit, that is a absolute game changer in terms of content and things to do playing the game, especially once you get past infinite rank. So very, very excited for that. There is a video version of this podcast on YouTube if you want to watch that. So youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Uh, I'm on Twitter at BrendanAPG and KM is at KMVestMS. No spaces. Check us out there to, to continue the convo. And yeah, until next week, we'll see you in the, ne- the next episode. And I'm excited to kind of hear back on the budget deck, um, the budget deck experiment you'll be doing over this next week, KM. Um, so am I. <laughs> like, I really, I, I feel like it is maybe the most important thing i can do for the community right now because i i i have always been uh i guess not like on the side of second dinner but at least like way more willing to hear them out than i think a lot of the community is but this is the first month where i just be like oh man this is actually bad if this is the best deck that is really bad for the game and i need to i i guess use my platform to disseminate decks that you can actually play this game with before people start leaving because they're losing to Darkhawk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to find decks that you can play into the Darkhawk meta. Even though I understand for 99% of our listeners, you're probably not playing in the Darkhawk meta. Like, I do think that matters. I think it matters because things percolate downwards, right? And so if I can get some good budgetish decks to percolating downwards yeah i will i gotta put that on the uh, on our notes to outro but i actually forgot to mention tell people where to find you streaming where you'll be doing that budget deck uh budget deck test this week right right right, right. i'll be streaming on twitch cam best ms that's me uh i stream weekdays uh 6 p.m to 10 p.m and weekends usually about two early two hours earlier than that uh that is the plan coming up so weekdays 6 p.m to 10 and then weekends usually about 4 p.m to 8 ish or 3 p.m to 7 ish depending on how i'm feeling and uh that is eastern time and uh, i actually wanted to ask Mm -hmm. you something are you ever gonna you're gonna start streaming some marvel (laughs) snap uh we'll see uh i don't know probably not because the thing is is like I am so impressed and in awe of your your work ethic with streaming the hours that you do and the consistency that you do it. Like that's incredible. I don't know if that, I'm that person. Uh, at least not right now. Maybe in the future. I'm definitely though, Cam. I'm definitely going to be in the tournaments. I will be in the tournament scene. I will be grinding the tournament scene. That is absolutely what I want to be doing in Marvel Snap streaming. We'll see. But uh, I'm happy to be podcasting and to be dominating some tournaments in the future. 
Gotcha, 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 gotcha. We'll have to put together like an actual pesting group once once Marvel Snap actually has tournaments. Super excited. Like I, I, I know I know a couple of the the killers from my old magic testing group uh ended up playing Snap right now. So like I, I there are several people who I know for a fact are better than me at card games that I'm hoping to enlist so they can uh boost me. <laughs> That's it's really what I'm trying to get done here. Can't wait for it. All right. We uh, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode. We'll see y'all next week. Um, and cheers.